All right, guys, we've all been there. It's client feedback time. You're sitting in the cozy confines of your edit suite, and then all of a sudden you're thrust into the messy world of rendering, encoding, uploading to Dropbox, and emailing the clients. It's crazy. That is until today. The Whipster review panel for Adobe Premiere Pro lets you send your edit to your clients without leaving Premiere. Whipster does all the encoding, uploading, sharing, and collating of feedback behind the scenes. Sit back and relax as the comments appear directly in your Premiere Pro timeline as markers. It's seamless, smooth, and speedy. It's a revolution in collaboration. To find out more and to install the review panel, head to whipster.com. So check it out. It's the Whipster review panel for Premiere Pro at whipster.com. Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and we're coming to you live from NAB, and we're going to be interviewing Mark Haymaker from Autodesk, as well as Maurice Pertel from Autodesk, and we're going to be discussing some of their big announcements this week. Now, I have to apologize, the noise is a bit noisy because, well, the floor's crazy noisy, so please bear with me on this. Uh, and it's a little harsh because the room we tried to hide in uh, didn't have any soundproofing, as you probably can understand when you come here. So enjoy this interview. We're going to have more coming from Shutterstock and Adobe soon this afternoon. But here's my interview with Maurice and Mark. Can you tell me what the big announcements that you want to go through in the product sure, that our audience should know about? So here at NAB, we're to discuss kind of three big announcements. Two I'll cover, and then Mark will cover the third one. So the first announcement is that we acquired a company called Solid Angle. The second one is that we're teaming up with Google to provide cloud rendering to uh, people in the media and entertainment business. And the third one is we have new product releases that uh, Mark will talk about. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the first two news items. So the first one is the acquisition, and the second one is this uh, teaming up with Google to do um, to offer cloud rendering. The acquisition is Solid Angle. They make Arnold. So Arnold's a really well-known render in the industry, very high quality. The, the, I think the three key things about Arnold is it's high quality, very high performance, and very easy to use. And, and that makes it a really good renderer for a, a broad spectrum of the public. And, and what we're trying to do, we're, we're, a couple of years ago, we acquired Shotgun. Yeah. And now with Arnold, we're, try, we're trying to provide technology that makes it easier for people to in, improve their productivity, to increase their productivity. Mm -hmm. So both these acquisitions are really about helping people do things better, easier, faster, which is you know, given the <laughs> nature of the visual effects industry and the animation industry, those are kind of key requirements. Yeah. And our strategy is focused on three things. Create, which is our creative tools, connecting people together so they can collaborate and manage their production, which is Shotgun, and then this new area we're, we're, we're investing in now, which is Compute, which is the ability to, to do computational tasks better, such as rendering, but long-term could be other tasks, such as simulations, all kinds of other things, and to leverage the power of the cloud to do that, which brings us to the other announcement we have, which is actually teaming up with Google. We're not allowed to use the word partnering. <laughs> we're teaming up with Google uh, the, um, to uh, offer services on the, Google, on the Zinc render from Google Cloud Platform. So that allows anyone using using Maya, so it's initially available for Maya, though we are exploring other products such as 3ds Max, but initially for Maya, uh, it will allow you to install the, the Zinc Render plugin and then from Maya render on Google Cloud Platform uh, with that access they're announcing at this show, Google's announcing up to 30,000 cores. So that basically gives you a massive render farm at yeah. the touch of a button. So that allows anyone to compute whatever they want, to render whatever they want without having to 
let's say you, you have a project, it requires a, a large amount of rendering at very high quality, you don't have to lease or purchase equipment to do it now, you can essentially burst it to the cloud to handle that. And so just to jump back to the Arnold stuff, is that going to be slowly integrated in or are you going to just still keep it separate so that... I think it's a bit of both, yeah. obviously. Um, so first of all, we want to continue to pr provide this as a standalone product for anyone who mm -hmm. wants to use it. So we're going to continue to support Houdini, Cinema 4D, uh, the Foundry products, so anyone who wants a renderer you know, will be able to use it yeah. with their product. So we'll keep it standalone. We're also going to actually continue to sell perpetual licenses yeah. for it. Uh, the second thing, obviously, that we're looking at is you know, integration with our products, and that's going, I mean, we're in the integration process, but, but yes, of course. It's one that. of the things I love about where things are going, I was just saying this outside, is people are making it easier to get between products and to use products together and it just makes life so much easier in the post process. <laughs> it's true, that is true. And I think that's our goal. I mean, we started with FBX quite a while ago, yeah. trying to connect people together. We've also been very uh, proactive in supporting you know, OpenEXR, mm -hmm. Alembic, because ultimately the workflow is very critical for customers. It is a large headache. You know, the, the amount of data that's generated now yeah. in the production is crazy. Looking at VR down the road and, and all these other formats, we were talking about the, the, the joint guys at our press event yesterday, were saying that their, their VR solution produces like 30 times as much data as a traditional HD okay. uh, production. So, so when people are trying to manage massive amounts of data and, and process massive amounts of data, they kind of need new ways of doing it. And I guess rendering in the cloud will also make things easier with yeah. massive amounts of data. Yes, exactly. So, as well as other types of processing. They will, the, the joint guys, this is not an Autodesk product, have yeah. their own solution for stitching VR in the cloud because okay. it's the only way they can really handle it. So. So with Google and, and the cloud and like doing using that, the extension that you guys are teaming up with or partnering yeah, that team, teaming team. up with, just well, yeah, sure. yeah, well, I mean, we've signed an agreement with them. Yeah. Essentially what, what happens is we're providing Maya software that's highly optimized, mm -hmm. optimized to work in, in their virtual machines. So it, it, we, it requires being able to break, it, break the software up into highly parallelized executables. Yeah. So, so we had to provide a, a special Maya service for that. Uh, that that the, when the Zinc render is executed in Maya, it sends it to Google and it uses that Maya service to actually render using whatever render you choose from them, which currently is V-Ray, Arnold, and they're just announcing RenderMan at NV2. Well, well, my question was going to be one of the hurdles right now, which Google's also sort of working towards improving, is the, the end user's internet connection or what have you. So how do you guys work to overcome that? Well, that, so Zinc actually has a very elegant solution where they can preload a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then once it's loaded, only if it iterates do you change. So you're not constantly loading. So, so a lot of it is to do with optimization on how you actually talk to the cloud to minimize the amount of redundancy, so they avoid any redundancy. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, we can't do very much about yeah, that yeah. final, like, connection to, 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 to the yeah, client. Yeah, I was just wondering if there was optim optimization. Yes, there, definitely optimize. Yeah. I mean, so uh, most of that is done not on our end. Yeah. It's done on the Zinc render end. The way they take the Maya data via their plugin and load it to the cloud, that's highly optimized. And it's very it's software that really um, preloads and, uh, and only refreshes what needs to be refreshed so that it, it streamlines the process a lot better than if you were just basically each time loading the data onto the cloud. Great, and do you want to talk about the smoke and all the big announcements for Maya and the software? Yeah, so I can give you the high level of the yeah. announcements and then if you have specific questions. Yeah, so, because we have a ton of news, like we've got new versions of our uh, of most of our products that are in the M&E uh, kind of film and television NAB world mm -hmm. space coming out. 
Um, so I'll start with Flame because I think you know when people think NAB and Autodesk, they think of the whole Flame family of products. And we're announcing a 2017 version of Flame. And although this is not exactly new news at the show, we're kind of excited because it's the first uh, major trade show, you know, like an NAB scale show, since we um, we said we unleashed Flame, which means we went software only. You know, yeah. you can purchase without the hardware requirement. Uh, we made it available by subscription, which people are liking. So, like, as much as short as a month or as long as a year, you can subscribe. Uh, and we now offer all of the Flame family on the Mac, ex with the exception of Luster, but it's still part of the subscription and, and no hardware requirement thing. So, it's been great for us. Like, we we talked to our sales guys; they're seeing you know more people coming to be interested in Flame than they've seen in ages, and. What we're seeing is about 40% of those are people who were not Flame customers before. So it really validates for us that this was a solution people wanted access to, and we just you know, changed the business model to make it work for them. Um, but that said, it is a new version as well, and there's kind of two areas I'm highlighting because I think they're the, the coolest, but there's a ton of new features. One is that we're introducing some new visual effects tools called Camera FX, and it's inside of Action where the 3D compositor environment, you know, all of that. But what's neat about it is we're driving a lot of the interactivity for things like ambient occlusion and motion blur and some glow effects and some optical kind of screen space effects yeah. with Stingray engine, game engine technology kind of driving in the background. And I think this is a neat example of how, you know, when we bought a game engine a year and a half, two years ago, people said, oh, that's interesting. What are they going to do with it? You know, I, I get games, but yeah. what else? And, you know, we've done some architectural visualization. Um, we have... Uh, motion capture example that's gonna happen on the booth tomorrow. Uh, and now in Flame, like we're keeping that interactivity and compositing with, with Stingray. So that's kind of a neat under the hood uh, thing. Tool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and I, I think you're gonna see a lot more of that as we go. Because basically for us, it's real-time rendering. And it could be for VR, it could be for compositing, it could be for a lot of different things. So it gives us just a, a really strong core real-time renderer that we can kind of deploy in different places. So that's exciting on the Flame side. The other one is, um, you know, uh, so we've had Flame Premium for a few years, which offered a, a bundled licensing kind of workflow with Flame and Luster and you know some of the assistant products like Flare and Flame Assist. Um, and our Flame Premium customers have been asking a lot to kind of connect that more, so we're introducing what we call the connected color workflow. Our guys are calling it the, I like it's the Coco Woe workflow, but that's not official. Um, but what it's basically doing is starting to reduce the number of steps to go between. Less rendering, you don't always have to do a hard render, and then if you make a change in color, update it. You'll, you'll actually see a luster node that's passing color data into Flame's compositing area. You can't go in and access the full luster in Flame, but the data for the grade is live. And on the flip side, if you're in Luster and doing a grade and you've got a composite that's kind of in progress or you're working on or waiting for elements, that can still be live as well. So you can go back and either tweak it in Flame or if an artist has tweaked it, you can hit update and see that come together. So, you know, what we're trying to do is just bring those worlds closer together. You know, I think our Flame Premium customers are going to benefit the most from this because they have both those tools now. But with Flame and Luster and all the products being so accessible, I think, you know, we'll see some more people buying into it, um, you know, and it's a great year. What's nice for what we have is, you know, Flame's very well known for visual effects. What's cool about Luster is it's a world-class cl color grading solution, and, you know, it's used by the top studios, so Technicolor is speaking here on Wednesday, Steve Scott, about the Revenant uh, being graded with Luster. So it's kind of nice to be able to kind of combine that together. I think 
having the high-end connection is really good, but you know, we can kind of try to deploy color across the whole finishing workspace for Flame. That's kind of our vision of where we see that going forward. As you mentioned earlier, just to jump back for yeah. a second, you mentioned that you, know, you have the game engine coming in, you have mm -hmm. architecture stuff. How do these different areas influence uh, your decisions in the building of these, these tools? Like how do you... Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I think what it does for our product team is it requires them, like something like real-time rendering is now a challenge that the Flame team won't have to solve. Like, for example, I was talking to one of the product managers who said, and this is an if, not a when, but he said, if we decide to build a VR viewer for Flame, we're not going to start from scratch. We're going to use Stingray. So that's, I think that's how it works. It's, it's a technology that becomes part of the portfolio that they have options to work in. And the games guys are going hard. They're, they're building a game engine, and they want to win yeah. in games. But they're not walled and siloed. And I think that's something you know, that, that's been a, it's, it's, in our portfolio, we have all these different areas, and it kind of gives us the strength to leverage those across different areas. So yeah, so one of the things we use is agile kind of team de de deployment. So what what will happen, let's say, is you have a Stingray team, and we'll spin off a team for that to look at architectural visualization, and they will look at, and what they will look is at the workflows and how they will take that technology and match it to a new workflow. Maybe the technology under the hood will diverge at that point. We might split the code and take it in a new direction. Uh, same as Mark was saying with um, with Flame, they, they, will t they might start from something that's already there and, and, and branch the code and do something different with it. They might decide that the two agendas are the same and merge it back. It might be a team that's created within the, the say the Stingray team to look at a specific problem and help them. It might be another team that takes the technology and does it. So we're very agile in how we will use the technology. But the nice thing, as Mark was saying, is that we have access to a portfolio of technology as well as expertise. So actually, Solid Angle, what that brought also to us was rendering expertise. Shotgun bought a team which was very, which had a lot of expertise in production management. Not a huge amount, but a good expertise in cloud security. We also have, in Autodesk, big teams that are focused on cloud security at a very, at a very deep level. So for example, if you put this together, the amount of resources we have focusing on cloud security is pretty large. It's more than many small companies yeah. themselves, yeah? And it's just focusing cloud security in many different areas and applications. And so that's an advantage we have in the terms that we can leverage all this expertise. And really, you know, as I was saying before, when we find areas that we feel that we lack, we'll often go out and, for example, rendering was you know, very important for us to uh, bring in-house. We wanted yeah. to have expertise in that because we believe cloud rendering is going to be very important in the future and we want to be able to you know, yeah. set that agenda to a certain extent. And uh, Okay, so then moving on through the release announcements, we're also releasing a 2016 extension 2 version of Maya. Uh, and don't be fooled that it's an extension, it actually has a lot of stuff in it. and. Um, one of the big things we're leading with is something we've been working up to for the past couple of releases with Maya, I mean, and we haven't made a secret of it, but uh, with this release, we're really talking about Maya having a robust uh, motion graphics tool set. So back at SIGGRAPH last year, we introduced a new 3D text tool. We also updated, you know, we've updated the UI previously to make it a little more streamlined and user-friendly. We added new SVG importer tools back at SIGGRAPH. And now we're integrating a procedural node-based workflow for creating motion graphics and kind of designing motion graphic type effects. And it's based on a, uh, some technology we acquired last year. Uh, it was MASH was the name of the plugin. 
Uh, and a lot of Maya people know that in the world. I don't think a lot of people know exactly what MASH means. But is it an acronym like the actual MASH? No, I asked the guys that developed it. They, they, yeah, they, they, they laughed and chuckled, very English, and yeah. didn't tell me what it means. So if it does have an acronym, it's probably some things we can't mention. Yeah, but, but, um, but what's cool about it, though, is it sits inside of Maya now. So it's not just a plug-in. And what we like about that is, you know, I think it's like the first truly modern motion graphics tool set that's built with the power of Maya behind it for all the other 3D tools and things you do. So, for example, one of the demos we're showing here today is, yeah, creating a title type graphic and then having, you know, uh, Bifrost generated fluid splashing on it or combining it with characters or things like that. So, so we, we talk about it as motion graphics and a whole lot more because it really does give you kind of the fundamentals and you know this is the first release and we're going to continue to release functionality in this tool set but we think that folks that do motion graphics and if they feel they run against a wall you know when they want to go deeper than the you know the the core motion graphics functionality we think this is going to be something they're interested in so so anyway there's a lot of stuff there's yeah. some new render management workflows in there so we think my artists in general will be happy but I'm excited about the motion graphics because I think yeah. it's going to help us get into some new workflows. And, and what's cool here at the show, something we haven't shown in a long time, we have a broadcast workflow with Flame and Maya running all on the Mac. Like it's just, yeah. We have a lot of yeah. new stuff we can show now as the products evolve. And then um, quickly, 3ds Max 2017 is also um, available now. And we kind of describe that as an artist's release because it's not um, it's not about like let's pick one area and go hard after it. It's it's hitting a lot of the requested features and upgrades that people want, like 4K monitor support, which also gave us a chance to refresh the UI and kind of clean all of that you know that up and make it a little prettier on you know and easier to use. Um, we've actually added a renderer inside of 3ds Max. It's the Autodesk Ray Trace renderer, which is also used in Fusion 360 and Revit and Inventor because a lot of Max people are using uh, design, you know, they're using it in design workflows. Uh, we've added UV unwrapping tools, which regardless of what industry you're in, whether it's film, TV, games, or design, you know, UVs can be painful. So we think people are going to like it. It's, it. it's a laundry list of new features and things that are there. So um, that's Max 2017. And then we're not actually announcing um, new features uh, for Shotgun, but if you kind of look at what we're doing here, we're talking a lot about this idea of review as a part of a media collaboration process. And we think that's one of the things that differentiates Shotgun from a lot of the review tools out there or the project management tools that are out there. Because, you know, and we're doing demos very specifically to that. We, we've, you know, and if you look at our kind of track record with that, you know, the Shotgun guys built a great solution that can put your video in the cloud. And they figured out ways to have, you can review it on your phone or wherever. So we've been really finding a lot of growth and excitement about Shotgun because like review is just one of those problems everybody has whether they know it or not. Yeah. So we'll be talking a lot about that and, and things we're looking at directionally are what other kind of data can we bring into the review process. So you're, you're gonna see some, some work like the jaunt story that just came out. We did some work with them around not just VR, but also editorial, because there's a context of editorial that changes when you review, and you know, as things, you know that very well. But also we'll be looking at 3D, right? So how do you review a 3D model if you can't put it in an environment and see it there? I'll wrap this up, because I know you guys have a busy schedule, but I have one last question for you guys, uh, which I'm asking everyone at NAB, and that's, once you've gotten through all the chaos, what are you going to do to wind down at NAB? <laughs> oh, you mean us? Like yeah, what we, once we you, do here? Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm taking some time off next week. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs>
Well, I mean, a good meal and a good glass of wine always <laughs> helps, so I do that every evening. Uh, but uh, afterwards, I'm actually also going on vacation. <laughs> so that was my interview with Maurice and Mark. Uh, there's more coming. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. Twitter is twitter.com slash AOTG Network or on Facebook, facebook.com slash AOTG Network. I'd like to thank Mark and Maurice for joining me. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.